Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you today. I was actually wasn't sure that I would be. I've um, hurt my leg, and so uh, I find it hard to do anything kind of below my knees. So picking up the drink bottle was fun. Um, but it is really, um, really great to be here today. It's really important to have these moments together where we look at the year ahead and we inquire of God together about what that might look like for us. You know, you might have um, grown up in church before um, or um, been around um, a church for a while. And sometimes these weeks can be kind of about, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do that. And that's all really important. But what I shared last year and what I truly believe is actually what's most important is not what we do, but who we become in Jesus. And so that is the heart of what I'm trying to share today. And it's going to be over a couple of weeks. Just um, I hope that you're able to come back next week or jump online and have a listen. For those who are online listening to it right now uh, on YouTube, hello, it's great to have you. Or if you're listening to it in the car, keep your eyes on the road. (laughs) Let me pray. Lord, we come before you this morning and we want to do so humbly. Lord, I'm very aware that we have certain ideas of what the future looks like, but only you hold it all. Lord, that you are present in this moment, you've been present in all moments past, and you're also present in those moments. And to you, time is nothing. And so, Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to listen to you. Lord, we want to be a people who become more like you. Let us never think more highly than we, um, than we ought to, but Lord, let, let us also be able to stand on the goodness of what you're doing in our life and who you are and be confident in what you're doing. And so God, we just want to give you the glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Today and next week, as I said, I want to propose something to you that what I believe for us at Broadview, we are particularly called to build our lives upon together this year. As the people gathered together, this is a unique year, just like last year. And like for every, and every year, we can only know what we can know, and we can only uh, step forward in faith. And there are so many things about the year that are yet to be revealed. That was definitely the case for last year. And for, maybe already for some of you today, the year has begun with some incredible pain. Maybe it's a year that's begun in a moment of healing. Maybe it's a year that seems like it's about renewal from things past. For others, this year has known challenges that you are looking forward to. I know that's definitely for me. There's some things in my personal world, things that I'm doing that I know are going to be a challenge. Maybe there's the promise of joy. Maybe there's the promise that everything is unknown and who knows what's going to happen. For this year at Broadview, our plans is that this year 
our season as a campus of RBC will come to its conclusion and that we will stand as a standalone Baptist church again by the end of the year, after seven years under their care at various different levels, under the care of the Ross Trevor leadership. And God has been so good to us in this season. He's provided and he has moved in so many ways and it's made it clear that we're at a point where this season is coming to an end and we are going to move forward into a new one. And it's full of so much hope. It's full of concerns, maybe. It's full of excitement. It's just full of so many unknowns. And where we find ourselves in 2024 as a community was actually the hope and the prayer of so many when we merged. And it is the goodness of God, it's his generosity that brought us this far, and it's the goodness of God and his generosity that I believe we're particularly called this year to build our lives upon. Let's listen to these words again from John. See what great love the Father has lavished, lavished, on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You know, the world did not recognize when the generosity of God came in Jesus, when Jesus walked the very earth and breathed the very same oxygen, sat and ate at the very same table, when he brought truth and healing and restoration and salvation, the world did not recognize the generosity of God for what it was. And there is something transformative, the Bible tells us, again and again, about following Jesus. That in following him together and individually, that this organism that we are together, this family, this community, what we call the church, that we become something. We become something in a journey with Jesus, in Jesus and through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. We have a journey of becoming together, becoming more and more and more like him, Scripture tells us. And we enter into this together. And it looks and it tastes like something in every time and place. And if the world doesn't recognize it, it's because it doesn't, didn't recognize the generosity of God in him, John says. But we will look at more of what that means for us next week because today I just want to focus on him. I want to focus on him, his character, who we build our lives upon, this lavisher of a great love for us. The Father God who makes us completely his children. And so I'm going to pause there for a second because maybe today that is the one thing you need to take. That you are completely his child. That is what you are. That is what you can know by faith, by a relationship with Jesus. That our God, the God, is a generous God. The generous God who lavishes a great love. This is when I really feel that God is calling us to build our lives upon this year. And that word lavish, in its original language in Greek, means to excel. It's a fix, excel above a fixed number of measure. To be left over and above a certain number of measure, it means overabundance. 
that God has a lavish generosity. When I think of the word lavish, I think of whenever we go up to my parents' house at Claire and I see the desserts that she makes for my kids. And it's got so many, Siggy's seen it. Uh, every time Rachel's like, oh no, they're just going to end up with a sugar high. They have jelly on one side. They have ice cream. It's got ice magic. It's got custard. It's got hundreds and thousands. It's got everything in one bowl and they get it night after night after night just before bedtime. My mom sees it as her duty and she you cannot change it. Doesn't matter how many little subtle hints, doesn't matter how blunt you are, my God, my mom will not stop lavishing dessert upon my kids. And that is what lavish is all about. This is what we saw when we saw Jesus feed the 5,000 or the 4,000, that there was more than what was needed. That they were grabbing things at the end, weren't they? If you know that story, there was so much there from what had been given, which was so little, that God went and he lavished his love upon them in that moment. It's the same lavishing when we know the story, if you know this story, of when the man was dropped in through the roof um, in front of Jesus, the man who could not walk, he'd been lame. And um, he came to hear Jesus and he came for healing, but Jesus gave him so much more. He gave him his, the forgiveness of his sins shown through his healing. He didn't just get a healing, he got that stigma taken completely off of his life. It was a, rest, it was a restorative forgiven, given publicly. This is how God lavishes his love. There is an exceeding generosity to the love and to the action of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes for some of us, we're like, I don't know how, I feel a bit uncomfortable with this. This feels maybe like Andrew's being maybe a little bit too extroverted, being a little bit over the top, but I'm only saying what we see in Scripture. I'm only using the same words that John uses. We'll read later that Paul uses. There is an exceeding generosity to the love and the action of God, and I believe that God is calling us to look forward into today and into tomorrow into our lives, into what he is doing at Broadview, to look with eyes which have the filter of his generous character. You know, it's really, um, I can understand if you're hearing this and it's hard for you because of what you've experienced because of the brokenness of the world in your life. But I want to tell you right now that God, part of God's set-apartness, part of his holiness, is that the brokenness and the pain and the hurt that you have experienced in your life is not God. God is good. God is above all those things. God is able to be with you in all those things. And he sent Jesus to redeem the earth so that these things will someday become no more. And there are three particular things about his generosity that I feel he's calling us to focus on. Three things that I believe that Jesus teaches us in his Sermon on the Mount in the prayer that he taught us to pray in Matthew 6. So if you don't want to listen to me, listen to Jesus. He says, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you are far above and holy, far above all things. May your kingdom come from verse 10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you see how he begins? It's something truly important. Our Father in heaven. Our Father 
We are his children. That is what we are. But within the prayer, we see the kind of father he is and what we can ask of him. In that posture of wanting to see his kingdom come and his will be done here as in heaven. Jesus says, he names three key asks, which I think point to the three things I want to highlight about his generosity for us this year. He says we can ask, he says, give us today our daily bread. We can ask God that. Forgive us our debts. We can ask God that. Lead us into deliverance. We can ask God that. Jesus teaches that we can come before God and we can ask him for his provision to give us this day. Why? Why can we do this? Because Jesus says further on in his sermon in the next chapter, why? That's because God is good. God is generous because God is good. Do you know, do you know in your very being that God is the good God? Jesus says this, he says in chapter 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Very similar words to what we see in Jeremiah 29, 13, where he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Jesus goes on. For everyone who asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the doors will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good, good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And we'll talk more about this last line next week, but what I want to do want to say is that we can live lives loving our neighbour, which is the whole point of what Jesus is saying in a way. We can live our whole lives loving our neighbour and our community and those who consider us enemies and people that are awkward in our life that we find, we find really, really hard because we can stand on the goodness of God who we can ask and seek and knock because he can and he will provide what we need. Jesus says, don't be anxious for everything, anything. He will provide what we need when we ask according to his goodness. And maybe right now you're suffering and maybe right now you're hurting and thinking, how can I lean into the goodness of God? Do you know that God's people have always faced the pain of living in a broken world that is separate from the holiness of God? In fact, the psalmist, we did Psalm 27 last year, but I want to pick up on one line from it. The psalmist in Psalm 27 talks about the pain he is facing, and then he says this, I remain confident in this, in verse 14, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Why can he write that? Because God is supreme and because God is good, because his love never fails and he will have the last say even in grief. And so we can build our lives upon it. We can think forwards into 2024 and we can come to God and we can ask and we can seek and we can knock because he is good. And so what does this mean for us 
this year? What does this mean for us any year? But what does this mean for us this year? I think this means that we can be bold. We can be bold together. We can be bold in our lives. We can dream about what we want to see God do in and through us this year. We can boldly say, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done in broad view as it is in heaven. He is God. So why put a lid on what he might do in and through you? Why put a lid on what he might do in and through us? After all, Paul says in Ephesians 3 that, He's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I can imagine a fair amount. According to his power, and it's his power that's at work within us. God is for you. He is for you. He has good plans for you. His banner over you is love. And everything we see in Jesus is the goodness of God. After all, Jesus says, I'm only going about what I see the Father doing. And everything he promised, he will accomplish. And God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Second, God calls us in his prayer to ask for God's forgiveness. Because God's throne is a throne of grace. Grace is a key part of the generosity of God? What does building your life, what does building our lives together upon the grace of God mean for us? What difference does God being a graceful God mean for you? Paul writes this, he says, in love, he being God, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished. There's that word again, that he lavished on us. God lavished his grace in Jesus. In him, we who don't deserve it except for his love, except for his will, except for his pleasure. In him, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins for our rebellious nature, for who we are, through the blood of Jesus. And so what should that mean for us this year? First, of course, it means that we are forgiven by God in Jesus, that the work is complete, that we can ask for forgiveness and we can receive it. Jesus began the prayer with this new reality, with the words, our Father, as the adopted children that we become in Christ. And this forgiveness too, because of this, is now a new reality. We have a new identity. We have a new state. Over the summer, in fact, um, the last Sunday um, that we gathered together in, um, in December on New Year's Eve, Jeremy just walked up to me and gave me a book that he wanted me to just have and to read. It was lovely. And so I was reading it over the summer, and it's by um, an author named Dane Ortland. And he loves how he puts this. He says about this, he says, If you are a Christian, you have been swept up by divine grace into the new order that the prophets foretold. The new creation has already begun to dawn. We remain fallen sinners, but our basic identity, our fundamental location, 
is the new age because we are in Christ. Because we are in Christ, we live in a new covenant under the forgiveness of God. And this grace means that we don't need to fear being known by our loving God. We don't need to hide anything from him. We don't need to fear being known by those in our church family. In fact, we are all on this same journey together of becoming more like Christ in Christ. And so that really, if we really get a handle on what this means, this should make us jump further into want to be known by others around us, want to know what's, um, what's going on in their life, want them to know what's going on in ours. It should make us jump further into wanting to confess what's going on in our life to God and to others, to share our lives, to share our story, to ask for prayer, to be in life groups together, to lean on each other, to share each other's joys and sorrows. Because we live in grace. And we get that wrong sometimes, don't we? It's so easy for us to judge ourselves. It's so easy for us to judge others. It's so easy for us to judge a book by its cover or to judge a behavior or to think, oh, why is Andrew wearing thongs today instead of shoes on stage? What's going on there? There are lots of different things that we can, we can think and we can feel and we can get distracted by. But when we live under the grace of God, we get to be fully known by God without fear. We get to fully receive his perfect love and then we get to display that love, that understanding to each other and hear their story and hear why different things are the way they are. Hear and understand what is going on and receive them and include them and point them more towards Christ as they point you more towards Christ and, and cry when things aren't working well and, and hold each other and celebrate and party when, when something great has happened that you know they've been praying for for such a long time. We can do all this. We can be fully known because of grace. But grace also means something pretty cool for us together. It means that we, in our endeavor to see his kingdom come, we don't have to be fearful about making a mistake. In fact, Jesus' parable of the talents says that really the only mistake we can make is not to invest and not to what we've been given by God, our master, in some way. Instead of fearing for the future, we invest what he has done in us and we, we just see what God might do in that. Because we're not called to live in fear, but we're called to live by the Spirit. We are called, as, as Paul writes in Timothy, to live in with power and love and a sound mind because God is good, because God is grace. Am I the only one getting excited about who God is and what that means for us? Because God is grace, if we are doing our best to serve Him and to listen to Him and to be a good steward of what He's given us, then we should never be afraid of giving things a go. Trialing it for a season, throwing our all in and see what happens, knowing that he is able to make all things work together for the good. And so what step of faith do you feel burning on your heart? What have you been too afraid to discuss with someone or give it a go? You know, I love when people start off a sentence with me of, Andrew, I've had something on my mind and I know I need to tell you and I'm a bit afraid to tell you because then it really becomes a thing. That's what I'm talking about. What could God do in you? What could God do in us together through our willingness to give it a crack, to give it a try? 
And most importantly, of course, about his grace is that we know his grace and we're called to share it to the world, to evangelize it, to share about the generosity of God to others. And when do we stop doing that? When Jesus comes again. We've been generously, lavishingly given his grace, his identity, and called to tell the world about what he has done, called to tell the world about his love, called to tell the world how we can be fully known by God, even me, the worst of sinners, and that's okay. He is making me more like him. Called to come to them and say, you need to know this. This is life itself. Throw that stuff away and throw your all. Give your allegiance to this because this will change you forever. You will suddenly realize why you were created and who you were created for. And finally, the final thing I want to share about God's generosity. If you notice, they're all starting with G. It's God's goodness, God's grace, and now God's glory. The final thing I want to share about God's generosity is connected. It really is connected to the third ask of the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus calls us to ask, lead me, lead me like a shepherd. The generosity of God is such that we can know, not just not wonder and go through rituals in case that makes it work. We can know God's leading. That's why we come to him in prayer every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. We want to hear God's voice. We want to be led by him in all things. We want to throw out the stuff that we thought was a good idea because God wants to do something else. We can know his leading through his presence that we can know personally because of Christ. Because of Christ, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the place where the glory of God can dwell ultimately as a reflection of Jesus. I love these words in John's Gospel in chapter 1 when it speaks of Jesus and it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Jesus we see what this glory looks like. Glory born in a manger. Glory that went to the cross. Glory that ate and slept with disciples. Still fully God. Something that people have struggled with over millennia is how can the full glory of God be in this place because of the goodness and the grace of God that we see in Jesus. And he was... the, the the glory, what does this glory look like? It looks like the full character of God, the righteousness of God, full of grace and truth, John tells us. A truth that leads to freedom and grace that leads to life. The generosity of God means that we, don't, we are called not to live by the flesh. There's actually another option. We get to live by life in the spirit. What Paul calls, um, I love this, um, in Romans 8.23, when it says that the, the Spirit of God is the foretaste, the New Living Translation says, the foretaste of future glory. That we in us, with God's presence in us, can have a foretaste of what the completed glory of God looks like. And we can know that right now. And it produces fruit in us. It produces love and joy and peace and patience and more, we read in Galatians 5. Because of what he's doing in us 
Because we are in him and it is by him we are transformed more into his likeness. We are given a peace that passes understanding. We are given comfort in times of suffering. We are given prayers when we can pray no longer. We are giving wisdom beyond our own understanding. His spirit, the glory of God, guides and teaches and corrects and leads like a good shepherd. But we also know his presence and his glory, not just so that we can feel great and be great in some way, but so that we can actually share in the miraculous ministry of Jesus to continue the works with the aim of kingdom come. His glory means that kingdom come is a prayer and a purpose that we can see arrive. We can see arrive in our lives, in our family, in our neighbourhood, in our neighbour, in our city. And it builds in us the hope of what he will do at the renewal of all things. His spirit gives spiritual gifts as he pleases and for his glory so that we can be the church, so that we can pray and believe for healing and deliverance and have words of knowledge and give mercy and prophetically speak his voice and provide help and leadership and pray our heavenly language and much, much more so that we can, as scripture says, shine like stars by the power and the glory of God in us. The character of his kingdom and the righteousness of, in this world through us, as he works in us and through us. Such is the generosity of God. And so this year, we are going to continue to make space for his spirit to move among us. And I want to invite you to join with us in that, to lean in, especially when you're feeling like you really don't want to, because then you know it's all God, not you. To lean in. We will continue to become more and more people together who expect his leading, his presence, his power in our lives, power in his church, so that we can participate in his incredible mission. You know, I'd love for us, and I believe God is calling us to become a people, that when we change our plans because God has spoken, that there is an excitement in the room. Even though the thing that we're letting go is something that we all loved and we were all good at, because we're actually stepping into something that God wants to do. That we're willing to be uncomfortable that Sunday morning is an example. But we walk and we're like, guess what? We're not singing today. We're going to do this instead. That there is an excitement that builds in us because just maybe God is wanting to do something special today. Instead of going, but wait a sec, I need my like song sandwich. Or we say, I'm not going to preach. We're just going to continue in worship. Instead of going, well, I was really hoping to kind of get a... That we just go, wow, God is doing something. Let me just be open. I honestly believe that that is what God is calling us to be. That when you walk in here and you're like, no one's in here because everyone's out in the prayer meeting and no one's leaving. There'll be an excitement about, whoa, 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 God is doing something. I wish I'd gotten here at 10 when it started. That there would be this excitement in us because we know that God is good, that God is graceful. We can make mistakes and we can land in him always. That we are all included by his grace and he wants to draw more in to himself. And because we know that God can give us his glory by the Holy Spirit. It's his glory, not ours. It always should point to him. And when the moment that it doesn't, it's not the glory of God at all. It's the glory of humans. And this desire for this glory, it is a bold prayer. You know, that word has lots of different connotations, but I want to point us back to the glory of God being the fullness of God by his presence. 
It's a bold prayer to desire his truth and his righteousness. When his spirit comes, his spirit speaks truth and builds righteousness. Just like we saw in Jesus, some people get uncomfortable, but you know what? Some people who are vulnerable find a home. His presence always calls all to repentance. And by that I mean, oh, I thought we're going this way. I'm going to go that way because that's where God is. And we step by faith into his calling. I hope you can hear the heart of what I've shared today. That God is drawing us to build our lives, to look forward to this year, no matter what the previous years have looked like, and the assumptions that you've built on your life, to instead step forward with the expectation of God's generosity. Not as a concept, but as a new reality. We've been given a choice. The choice to build our lives, our next steps on his goodness, the choice to build our lives, our next steps on his grace, and the choice to open ourselves up and say, Lord, I'm yours. Fill me with your spirit. Lead me, guide me, use me. Will you build your life this year on the generosity of God? Let's pray. Lord, there are so many reasons and assumptions that we can have built in us because of the brokenness, the selfishness, because of the judgment that we can feel. No, none of those things are you. You are a loving father and you are set apart and you are holy. And by what you have done and by your work in our life, we become holy and set apart in you. Not by what we do, but by what you do. Lord, I want to pray. I want to pray that you would start to build an expectation of your goodness in every life that's connected to our community. Every doubt, every worry, I pray right now would be washed away by the blood of Jesus and instead your goodness, your faithfulness and your love will take its place. For those who have made an assumption that that dream is too big, God couldn't be asking me to do that, He doesn't include me for all the ways that we can make ourselves separate from you, separate from the church. But I pray that those things too would be washed away and that we would be, that would be replaced simply by your grace. Grace to know and to ask for forgiveness. Grace to be able to confess our sins and cast our burdens to you. Grace to give things a go to see your kingdom come. And I want to pray, Lord God, as well, Lord, that we would all know your presence, your spirit in our lives, this foretaste of future glory. Maybe there's people here right now, you've been far from God for a while, you've never received God. And even me saying these words makes you feel uncomfortable. I want you to wonder if maybe this is God actually doing what he said he would do in Revelation and he's knocking by his presence on the door of your life on your heart and saying, let me in. I want to come and I want to abide with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to change you and transform you more into me, more into what um, you were built for. Show us your glory, Lord God, like Moses said. We want to know you. We want to feel your touch.
We're going to be led by you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.